This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Praise the Lord. What a joy to be in God's house today. Such a joy to share God's Word today at CLC Fort Lauderdale. I want to thank Pastor Tom and Candy for the privilege and just your love and the privilege you have given us to serve here at CLC. Pastor Tom and Candy have led our senior pastors, our church, in this year of our breakthrough. Please give it up. Put your hands together for our senior pastor and their leadership. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am, for your leadership over this house. It has been a year of breakthrough. Uh, Pastor Tom introduced my lovely, precious wife, Shola, who have been married now for 16 years. Praise God. And my two lovely daughters, Zoe and Adora. I was so excited yesterday. Zoe um, and Adora are doing a dual enrollment um, for college credit. And uh, Zoe found out that she's actually lined up to study law. So I'm like, okay, that is awesome. She wants to go to NYU and Adora wants to do Harvard Marine Biology. Praise God. It's just an excitement when you see your children that when we came to CLC, they were just little ones. You know, Pastor Tom actually dedicated Zoe and Adora as babies, and today they are just lovely ladies. Praise God. Amen. I love the Christmas season. As we begin our sermon series today, we want to basically, as we approach the Christmas season, we usually are confronted with a very controversial topic. And the topic is, when do we begin to play Christmas music? Now, a lot of people have very strong opinions about this. Some say before Thanksgiving. Others say after Thanksgiving. (laughs) You know, I I love Christmas songs. Whatever the case may be, whatever position you lean towards, the truth of the matter is, no matter what Christmas songs you play on the outside, If there is no Christmas in your heart, then something is missing. Many of us are familiar with the song White Christmas by Bing Cosby. Bing Cosby in the song White Christmas sang about Christmas. And Bing Cosby said that if there is no Christmas in your heart, all the snow in Alaska will not make it white. So as we approach the Christmas season, we must remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. Somebody say amen. A lot of people have taken Christ out of Christmas. But one of the ways to which we can bring Christ back into Christmas is to realize that Jesus is the reason for the season. So as we begin our series today, which is titled, He Will Be Called, I want us to look at a familiar scripture taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Now, in the scripture, the prophet Isaiah announced that God will send a savior 700 years before the very first Christmas. Now, we began to see that the prophecy was spoken into a real and troublesome situation. King Ahaz of Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, was worried because the Assyrians were about to attack the nation of Israel or Jerusalem. And he was worried and God had to send the prophet Isaiah to comfort Um, um, the king Ahaz 
that don't worry about forming alliance because I will send you a savior. Now I want us to read together the scripture in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Now if you can find it on the screen, uh, it's going to pop, pop in at a moment or you can find it on your Bibles. I want you to say, uh-huh, uh-huh. I want us to read aloud and clear. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Let's go. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Amen. He will be called. That is our series today. Starting from this week for the next few weeks. And today to zero in on one of the names that Isaiah called Jesus. We're going to talk about today, Wonderful Counselor. So I want you to look at your neighbor eyeball to eyeball as if they owe you some money. And say, Jesus is my Wonderful Counselor. Or if that neighbor is not responding, look at another neighbor and say, Jesus is my wonderful counselor. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. The Bible says that there is a spirit in man. And it's the inspiration of the Almighty that giveth man's spirit understanding. Let your word be a lamp to our feet. And a light to our path. Open our ears and our eyes. And our spiritual understanding. And we can know your word. In Jesus name we pray. Somebody say amen. I was told a story of a mother. That threw a party for her son. She gathered her friends together. And she invited a bunch of friends over. To celebrate the arrival of her baby boy. And she welcomed our guest on that day. And they had a great time celebrating, eating and drinking. And after a while, one of the ladies in the house that she invited said to her, Hey, bring out the baby. Let us see the baby. And all of a sudden she said, okay, let me go to the um, baby's room and get the baby. And as soon as she walked into the baby's room, he was nowhere to be found. She began to panic. And all of a sudden she remembered that while she was preparing for the party, she had dropped the baby with her parents in the morning. She had to go get the baby. And she and the guests were celebrating, having a great time, only for her to remember that the reason for the party was missing. In the same way, a lot of people during the Christmas season have so much fun. The party... They celebrate, but they forget the reason for the season. They eat cornbread, but they forget about the bread of life. <laughs> they get their gifts under the Christmas tree, and they forget that the real gift of Christmas was hung on a tree. A lot of times, people go in and take trips to places, but they forget that the real reason for Christmas took the very first trip on Christmas Day, from heaven to earth. We're going to focus on understanding who Jesus is. Because I believe that one of the intentions of God is to understand who Jesus is, particularly in this season of Christmas. Who is Jesus? Prophet Isaiah describes Jesus as a good shepherd or as a caring shepherd. 
The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11, he says he tends his flock. Somebody say he tends his flock. Like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Scriptures, the Bible tells us, have many descriptions of who Jesus is. Many times you see the Bible talking about Jesus. In fact, the book of John calls Jesus the good shepherd. John 6, 35 calls him the bread of life. Revelation calls Jesus the Alpha and the Omega. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he's referred to as the advocate. In Revelation 17 verse 14, the Bible calls him the king of kings. He is the king of righteousness, the king of glory, the lord of lords. Hebrews 12 calls him the author and the perfecter of our faith. Matthew 9 chapter 15 calls him the bridegroom. He is the chief cornerstone. He is faithful and true. He is the head of the church. And 2 Corinthians calls him the indescribable gift. There is so much we can know about Jesus. But the thing is, Paul speaking about Jesus did not quite find the words to describe him. But in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 to 10, Paul says this. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, his grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles because... His grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Now, if you have your notes, I wanted to underline the phrase, the boundless riches of Christ. And Paul goes further to say, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Verse 10 says this, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Child of God, Paul was trying to say this, that in Christ, there are boundless riches. There's so much we can know. There's so much numerous wisdom we have in Christ so that through the church, the manifold wisdom can be known of Christ. God has created us to be an instrument to be able to exemplify and demonstrate his wisdom, his love, and his power. But the Bible says this, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So there is a problem here. A lot of times we are not walking in the depth and in dimension of the knowledge of God's grace because we are not going deeper in Christ. We are not walking in the manifestation of his experience because we are not knowing more and more about Christ. A songwriter, Eliza Edmonds Hewitt, suffered tremendous pain in her life. And she was incapacitated for many years. But she made a statement that the greatest thing a believer can do or know is to know Jesus a little bit deeper. So in 1887, Eliza Edmonds Hewitt wrote a hymn that we sing today. And these are the words of the hymn. She said, more about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his fullness saving see. More of his love who died for me. We need to know Jesus more. We need to know his depth more. 
We need to go deeper in Jesus. If you agree, somebody say amen. When you read through the entire scripture, you would understand that names and titles are very important in scripture. In fact, the Bible makes us to understand that every biblical name has a special meaning. And usually the character and the destiny of the person to which the name is given is very crucial and pertinent for us to understand through the name, particularly the names and the titles given to Jesus Christ. So when we begin to understand the names the Bible calls Jesus, we begin to understand Jesus a little bit more. Now, we're going to look at the name Isaiah calls Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Wonderful counselor. One more time, help me preach now. Look at your neighbor, eyeball to eyeball. Tell him, Jesus is my wonderful counselor. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Prophet Isaiah calls Jesus wonderful counselor. Now, biblical scholars have different ideas as to what the prophet meant in that verse. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Some biblical scholars, theologians, argue that the word wonderful counselor is literally translated the wonder of a counselor. In fact, scholars believe it comes from the construction of two Hebrew words, Peleyate, which actually the first word, meaning when you have lost words to describe something or something is indescribable or out of this world, they come up with the word Pele, which means magnificent, which means or translated glorious, spectacular, wonderful. So the next word, which is yet, is actually translated one or counselor, Meaning one who instructs or guides from a position of authority. In essence, using the statement, Jesus is wonderful counselor. They are saying that Jesus is the type of counselor that gives miraculous results. Not the kind of counselor that you sit next to and all they do is shake their head. But that the results that Jesus gives exceeds your expectation. So that is one aspect of theologians when they argue about the meaning of Jesus being a wonderful counselor. Now, on the other hand, some theologians argue, given the historicity of the verse, argue that wonderful counselor actually means two names. Jesus is not just a counselor, but Jesus is wonderful. So he's wonderful and he's also counselor. Now, they have, why there have not been any conclusive stance because of the two variations of biblical interpretation, biblical explanation or hermeneutics, theologians have leaned towards both aspects to say that Jesus is a wonder of a counselor. Jesus is a wonderful and is also a counselor. But we believe that Jesus is both a wonderful person, a, a wonder. Jesus is a counselor and Jesus is a wonder of a counselor. So this morning, I'm going to begin by briefly touching on the idea that Jesus is wonderful. Somebody say, Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. Why is Jesus wonderful? You know, we cannot fully describe the dimensions of his nature, his work of salvation, or his work here on earth. Jesus is wonderful because Jesus is both God and man. The Bible says he's fully God and he's fully what? Man. He, 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 
came to earth. He died for us. Yet he was on earth totally sinless. Paul, trying to describe the essence of Christ, gave us a glimpse in Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15 to 20. The Bible says here, Paul says this. I wanted to underline a few words that I would read from the book of Colossians. Paul says this. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things and in him all things hold together. I want to do something. Verse 18. I want all the men in the room to read verse 18. One, two, go. Now, all the ladies in the, in the room, read verse 19. One, two, go. Amen. Now let's read together verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul here talks about several things about Jesus. Number one, he looks at the connection between God and Jesus. Number two, he talks about Jesus' connection to creation. He talks about also the relationship between Jesus and the church. And he also considers the doctrine of reconciliation. Now this leads us to a very pertinent question. What makes Jesus wonderful? Jesus is wonderful in several ways. I'm going to consider four aspects. Jesus is wonderful in incarnation. Jesus is wonderful in creation. Jesus is wonderful in exaltation. And Jesus is wonderful in reconciliation. Now, first of all, let's look at the wonderful incarnation of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, based on Paul's writing, that Jesus revealed himself as the revealed himself in himself, the invisible God. So Jesus came in human form in two dimensions. He came as a representative of God and he came also as a revelation of God. He came as representative and it came as revelation. Now the Bible tells us in Colossians 1.15, he is the image. Someone say he is the image of the invisible God. So to see Jesus is to see God. The Bible also goes further to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6, it says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Amen. You know, when we talk about the doctrine of incarnation, it means God or Jesus coming in the flesh or Jesus manifesting as an embodiment of God. Jesus came to earth. The Bible says he was born by Virgin Mary and wrapped in swaddling clothes. Jesus came as an embodiment of God. Somebody say amen. 
So to see Jesus is to see God. We see it expressed in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I remember anytime I say that, I remember a thing that happened. I grew up in, in Nigeria, West Africa. And when I was growing up, we had a lot of cases about Muslims and Christians fighting. Muslims going to churches and burning the churches. So one time, the Christians got mad and decided to go after the Muslims in the area. And they caught the Muslim and said, you were one of the Muslims that burnt the church. Uh, no, the Muslim said, oh, no, I, I'm not a Muslim. I'm a Christian. And the guy said, prove it. Repeat this after me. God the Father, God the Son, and the Muslim now replied, God the Mother. And in his own words, God the Mama. For those that don't understand the doctrine of the Trinity, it is not God the Mother. <laughs> it's God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit. The three are one. It's, we refer as the doctrine of the Trinity. God in one. They are, God is one in essence, but three in expression. Now we begin to see that Jesus came as a manifestation of God. That's what we refer to as the doctrine of incarnation. And the next wonderful nature of Christ is Jesus in connection with his, his, his ability as creator. The Bible says that Jesus created all things. Jesus preceded creation. He was there before the world began. And he was there when the world was created. And in fact, the Bible says he created all things. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. He says, for him, in him, all things were created. Things in heaven. Now, one of the things we understand that Jesus created everything in essence. Both things that are visible and things that are invisible. Also, Jesus created everything in location, things in heaven and things on earth. Jesus also created everything in operations, thrones, dominions, and so on and so forth. So Jesus is creator. The Bible said it clearly that in John chapter 1 verse 10, he was in the world and through him, the world was what? The world was made. Even though the world did not recognize him, Jesus made all things. Now, God wants us to recognize Jesus and to know Jesus because his divine plan is to come to trust Jesus by faith and follow him into divine purpose. So we have talked about um, Jesus as, as wonderful in wonderful creation. We have talked about Jesus in incarnation. The next one is wonderful exaltation. Jesus came to earth for a reason. He came for a purpose. The Bible says he was enthroned in heaven, but he came to earth. He died on the cross and he rose for our victory. Jesus is above all. He's greater than all. All the gospel is centered on Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Death on the cross. Therefore, God what? God exalted him. Somebody said Jesus is exalted. He exalted him. And in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Oh, I can't hear you. Every knee shall bow. Even the name of cancer shall bow. Even the name of disease shall bow. Even the name of high blood pressure shall bow. Even the name of depression and anxiety shall bow. 
Can the church hear God's word? Every knee shall bow. God exalted Jesus. So I don't know what the devil would tell you or whisper into your ear. His name is above everything. His name is above the situations that you are confronted with. His death became a symbol of our victory because he turned the tomb into a womb. And because he changed and transformed what would have killed us and buried us into a symbol of victory, we can walk in freedom. Somebody shout hallelujah. Wonderful incarnation, wonderful creation, wonderful exaltation, and finally, wonderful reconciliation. His death was not for dying's sake. He died for a reason. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are now reconciled to God. His blood made peace with God for us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, that if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All things have been reconciled to God. We are made new with God. Somebody say amen. So that is briefly on what the wonderful nature of Jesus is. But I, but I, I don't want to dwell there. I want to also consider... When the Bible refers to Jesus as counselor, why is Jesus also a counselor? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He is counselor. Now when we hear the word counselor, the word that comes to our mind for everyone is therapist. Am I correct, right? Most people in our modern day context Think of therapists. My wife is currently doing a master's in, in clinical counseling. So she use me, uses me as guinea pig every now and then, you know, to practice her classes. And, you know, you never win an argument with a therapist because she knows there's always, you know, um, therapeutical stuff <laughs> around the issues. So, but when we say the word counselor, in the, in the old language, in the context in which the Bible was written, in the ancient world, a counselor was also someone who devises plans for military victories. A counselor was not just a therapist or someone who gives counsel. He was someone who created plans and devises strategic plans for victory. Now, even though a counsel, counselor gives counsel, he was also a strategist. Now, when we look at the historicity of the text of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we see, as we said before, the Assyrians were about to attack Jerusalem. And God sent the prophet and told Ahaz, Ahaz, don't worry about all that is going on. Don't form any alliance. I will save you. I will send a savior. And, uh, and my, my strategy of a savior is to send a child. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Unto us a son is given, a child is born and a son is given. Now God's strategy for solving the, the issue, not just to Jerusalem in the time of Isaiah, but to us today was to send a savior. Was to send a son. Was to send a child, a son with a plan. His strategy was to send a man that was to come to save humanity, 
to save Israel, to save Jerusalem. Now, I heard a preacher put it this way a few weeks ago. He said, Jesus is a man with a plan. I love that. Jesus is a man with a plan because Jesus is the one with the answers. Jesus is the one that would show you what to do when no one else can show you what to do. Now, this backdrop gives us an understanding. It gives us an understanding because Jesus becomes the embodiment of God's saving plan for the world. Jesus is God's divine strategist for victory. Jesus is the counselor because he not only knew the counsels of God from time and from eternity, he gives counsel to man. Jesus is the wisdom of God for the church. Jesus is the hope of the world against the plan of the enemy. Now, Having said all this, how does Jesus execute his plan as a wonderful counselor? Now the Bible tells us in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, Jesus said himself how he was to execute the plan. This is what Jesus said. Now read, read along with me. The Bible says, Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed and appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to announce that the captives shall be released and the blind shall see and the downtrodden shall be freed from their oppressors. This scripture gives us an understanding to the question, why or what makes Jesus wonderful counselor or what makes Jesus counselor? I'm going to give you a few ideas and I close. What makes Jesus our counselor? Number one, Jesus cares. Somebody say Jesus cares. Maybe there is someone next to you that may not have remembered the idea. Let me nudge them, slap them, you know, high five and tell them Jesus. Don't slap them on your face though. Slap them a high five and tell them Jesus cares. If they are not receptive, turn to the next person and look at them eyeball to eyeball and say, Jesus cares. He cares. I don't care who has not cared about you in the past. Maybe you have been abandoned by your family. You have been rejected by those closest to you. But guess what? You have a Savior, a living God that cares for you. The Bible says God cares for you. So you can turn all your worries to Jesus. Hallelujah. God cares. Jesus cares. And Jesus meets our felt needs. And God meets our felt needs, not only providing our felt needs, but also providing our ultimate need, which is a need of our Savior. Jesus, his mission was to care for us, both body, soul, and spirit. And, and, and the Bible makes us to understand that its intention was to send a protector and a Savior to trouble Israel in the time of Isaiah, but not just to trouble Israel, for, to send Jesus to us even right now to care for us. Jesus cares because Jesus is the one that feels and understands our sufferings. He's our comforter. He knows us and he's our counselor so we can call on him for counsel because he's full of miracles. He's full of glory. He's full of the wisdom of God. In Isaiah chapter 11, when you read the book of Isaiah, when he talks about 
one of the titles of Jesus, the Messiah, which is referred to as the anointed one. Isaiah gives four descriptions of Jesus. Number one, he gives Jesus a description as Jesus is the Messiah that is filled with wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. And these four attributes listed in Isaiah chapter 11 gives credence to the counseling nature of God or the counseling nature of Jesus Christ. Jesus has the ability to be our counselor because the Holy Spirit infuses him with wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. Now, one of the things we see is that Jesus, his role as counselor includes discernment. Somebody say discernment. Jesus sees right into the heart of every problem. When you read the Gospels, you see a lot of stories that authenticate this idea that Jesus has discernment or Jesus manifests or displays the spirit of discernment because a lot of times, even the rich young ruler, Jesus looked right into him and said, sell all you have. Because you have a problem with wealth. Because it has taken over your soul. Even the woman caught in the act of adultery, Jesus was able to speak into the situation. Why? Because Jesus expresses the spirit of the sermon. Now, Jesus not only cares. The Bible mentions another characteristics that makes Jesus our counselor. Jesus understands. Somebody say, Jesus understands. Jesus lived amongst us. And he experienced what we experienced. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, be, to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tested, somebody said tested, in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus has been tested so Jesus can be trusted. <laughs> So he has been tested. Now, do you have, find yourself in a difficult situation? You, do you have to walk in a hard condition? So has he. Because he had situations, he had to walk as a carpenter and as a stonemason. Jesus was tested. Do you find yourself in a dysfunctional family or have dealt with rejection? So was he. Jesus found himself and his half-brothers did not even believe that he was the son of God. Do you deal with depression? And anxiety, so did Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus listens to us sympathetically because Jesus knew suffering and pain. The Bible says even in the Garden of Gethsemane that he, he bled sweat and his sweat was like drops of blood. He knew what you have gone through. And Jesus can sympathize, not just sympathize and empathize. He knew the shoes that you are walking in and he understands. Somebody say he understands. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 14 that the word became flesh and the word dwelt amongst us. So Jesus understands our deepest need and our darkest problems because Jesus walked with us. Jesus understands what we are going through and Jesus knows us so well. So Jesus cares, Jesus understands and also Jesus is committed or Jesus commits. Jesus is committed to you. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and they know and they follow me. Jesus is committed to you. He wants to be your shepherd. He's committed to lead you. He's committed to, to lead you in the path that you should go. But the question I have for you today is, are you willing to be committed to Jesus? It's one thing for him to be committed to you. It's another thing for you 
to be committed to Jesus. So Jesus commits. Jesus commits to us in many ways. I know a lot of people go to different sources to find help in their darkest moment. But child of God, I want to encourage you this morning. Never run to any source without reaching to Jesus first. Let Jesus come first. Let Jesus be number one. Don't consult Google before you consult God. Don't consult Sweden before you consult the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let Jesus come first. Don't settle for cheap substitutes. Focus on Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalms 33 verse 11, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So child of God, Jesus is counselor because Jesus cares, right? Jesus understands. Jesus is committed or Jesus commits. And finally, Jesus is counselor because Jesus guides. Somebody say Jesus guides. You know, one thing about Jesus is not just does he see the problem. He also sees the solution. Remember the story of the woman, you know, um, that was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus knew how to get her out of that problem and to tell her, honey, your sins have been forgiven. Jesus, you know, you go to a counselor and sometimes they sit there and just shake their head. You know, Shola tells me that, you know, in our study, they pay them just to shake their head. As much as their work is good... But a lot of them don't have the solution. They may lead or facilitate you to process the information. Now, I'm not speaking against therapy or counseling. You can have Jesus and have a therapist too. But guess what? Jesus is also a counselor. Jesus is also a leader. Jesus is also a shepherd. Jesus is also a guide. And Jesus is ready to guide. Jesus is ready to lead. Jesus is ready to lead us in the path that we should go. The Bible says in John 16, 13... He said, when the spirit, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. The Holy Spirit we know is a representative of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, when I go, I will send another comforter. So Jesus was a comforter and the Holy Spirit was another comforter. And he's there as a representative of Jesus to live in you, to dwell in you, to walk in you. That's why when we receive Jesus into our heart, who comes into our heart is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, as many that received him, as many that believed on him, he gave them the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Because when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Ghost on your inside. That's why you can walk in victory. That's why you can walk in dominion. Why? Because you have the Holy Ghost in you. In Psalms 32 verse 8, the Bible says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Jesus is actively involved with us. He's actively leading us. He's actively walking in our hearts and in our lives. When we follow him, we put him in position as wonderful counselor in our lives. I don't know what you're going through. There's so much I would have said or I can say today. But when I prayed about it and I said, Lord, what should I preach to your people today? This was the word that God gave. And the scripture that God reminded me with was this. When Jesus is lifted, 
he will draw all men to himself. And God has showed me that there are some people under the sound of my voice. The spirit of God is going to come upon that situation you have worried so much about today. The spirit of God is going to breathe fresh on that situation that you have been worried and that you have been bothered about. Because Jesus wants to reassure you that he's there to guide you. He's there so that you can turn to him in times of trouble. You can turn to him for support in times of difficulty. But you must long for him. You must long for him to show you what to do and to lead you where to go. As we close out today, I was reminded of a, of a story told by a preacher about a little girl that went to church. And as a little girl, she always listened to the preacher. And she returned from church. And as she got back home with her parents and with her brother, she walked around the house. And she went to her brother and asked her brother a question. Do you know Andy? And her brother said, who is Andy? She said, okay, never mind. She went to her mother and said, Mama, do you know Andy? Her mother said, oh, no, honey, who is Andy? I don't know any Andy. She went to her father and said, Daddy, do you know Andy? And the father now said, who in the world is Andy? And why is it in my house? Andy better not be in my house. (laughs) But she said, never mind, Daddy. And went downstairs, gathered her toys together. And started playing with her toys. And her mother and her brother and her father all came downstairs all at once. And said, honey, who is Andy? She said, daddy, mommy, brother, I don't know whether you were in church the same time as me. But I heard the preacher said today, Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. And he never leaves me. And the father laughed and said, oh no, that's not what the preacher was saying. What the preacher was saying was, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he never leaves me. I want you to stand to your feet and tell seven people, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he never leaves me. And he never forsakes me. Wonderful Jesus, wonderful counselor. I don't know about that, whether you know my Jesus, but the Bible calls him wonderful Jesus, wonderful counselor. Because in scriptures, my Bible tells me that he healed a leper man. He cast out demons. He fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He healed the man by the pool of Bethsaida. He healed the blind man. He healed the lame man. He stilled the storm. He rose Lazarus from the grave. Even when he was nailed to the cross and the devil thought he had got him and he had won after three days our wonderful savior our wonderful counselor rose from the grave the stone couldn't hold him death couldn't stop him and the grave could not hold him somebody praise jesus in this place if this ministry is making an impact in your life why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today 
you can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.